promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank, KPMG, and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. Well, this is Growing Greater Philadelphia, and we're thrilled to have Jill Feldstein and Clasita Daniels joining us. Jill, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Clasita, it's great to have you with us as well. Thank you so much. So we're going to learn a little bit more about a special program that has its uh, seeds in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania, and it's called Impact. The origin story of the program is really actually kind of exciting. Probably almost a decade ago, actually, there was a very visionary primary care doctor and pediatrician, I think, who really wanted to figure out how to reach beyond the hospital and clinic walls in her own care of patients and really help patients, particularly those who were dealing with not having enough money, be able to really address a lot of the factors in their lives that were making it hard for them to stay healthy. It was a neat time to be thinking about that because a lot of stuff was happening in the policy and financing environment that was putting more and more accountability, if you will, on healthcare organizations to actually be responsible for the healthcare outcomes of all patients around things like hospital readmissions. So this doctor built a, a multidisciplinary team. So leadership from the University of Pennsylvania Health System, researchers like herself, but also patients to really design this program that's called IMPACT, which stands for the Individualized Management for Patient-Centered Targets. And the concept was very simple, really, that people who share life experience with patients are really well positioned to be able to help them address things they might need. So we started by interviewing patients. We hired a woman from West Philadelphia, Ms. Tamala Carter, who sat in people's living rooms and kitchens and talked to them about their experience with healthcare, so that we could figure out how to design this program. And we also asked patients what they thought of this idea of someone who shared life experience being able to help them kind of on their healthcare journey. And the result was very positive from patients. And the health system was also invested in the concept, again, because they were thinking about how do we address problems that we have as an institution, like sometimes unnecessary hospital readmissions or sort of improving quality scores, for example, making sure that patients feel good about their experience of care at the hospital. So those twin desires, really wanting to help low-income patients be able to focus on their health and be able to solve some problems that the health system were facing, was the impetus for the creation of the program. And that's how we were able to design the impact community health program. And you had referenced that it's kind of a straightforward idea, but share with us, if you will, that aha moment, if there was such a thing, and when the team at Penn realized that there might be something here. Yeah, that's a great question. It's interesting because the concept of community health workers has been around for a long time, like centuries, really, both internationally and in the United States. But it's interesting because most programs, actually, even though the concept is so simple, this idea of people who kind of share life experience and are a lot of times people refer to community health workers as natural helpers, the idea seems so intuitive. But most programs, unfortunately, hadn't been successful. So I think one of the things that was really interesting about the design of impact was the attention that was paid to learning from the lessons of history. And one of the key lessons why programs tended to fail for sort of one of five common reasons. One example of that is hiring the wrong people. Mm. Um, And so we put a lot of time and attention into thinking about where do you recruit to find these natural helpers? So you're not going to be able to post a job description, for example, on the Penn Medicine website and find the right people. You've got to go out into the community, into churches, and talk to block captains, really get to the grassroots level where people are, and really look for the person 
who's maybe not the loudest person in the room, but the person that everybody naturally gravitates towards to talk about their problems. So that's one example of the ways that we designed the program by kind of learning from past mistakes of other community health worker programs. And so, you know, an aha moment, for example, was when we got funding from the health system to expand the program, it started just with two community health workers in a randomized control trial. And the results were very good. They were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They showed improvements in quality outcomes, helping people get to their doctor's appointment after they were in the hospital, 25% reduction in hospital readmissions. So Penn Medicine thought after they saw those results, we really want to invest in this center at Penn Medicine, both to kind of support patients here, but also really try to be a national leader around advancing the field of effective community health worker programs. So an aha moment was really then having to go out into the community and find, you know, we grew to 30 community health workers working at Penn in a pretty short time. And, um, when I met people like Clasita, it was pretty obvious that we had found the right people to be community health workers. And share with us a little bit about the evolution, because this has really gone from almost a public health initiative to a business model that is requiring a, a level of investment that delivers very targeted goals of success, but doesn't in a way that's financially responsible as well. I think from the beginning, we really always wanted to work in three main areas. The first was research. You know, we started as a, a research initiative in terms of doing a study of the effectiveness of the community health worker program. And we continue to kind of research what makes effective community health worker programs and kind of continually test our own model in different settings. So, you know, in doctor's offices, in hospitals, with different types of diseases, with different types of patients. So research has always been part of what we do. The other thing is really having grown to become part of, as I mentioned, routine care at Penn Medicine. So I think there's about 7,000 patients in the Philadelphia area that have gotten connected to an impact community health worker. And then the third part of our mission is really to share what we have learned. And in some ways to really level the playing field for community health worker programs across the country and help organizations of all sizes from federally qualified health centers up to big you know, health systems or insurance companies avoid reinventing the wheel. I do mm-hmm. think we did a lot to kind of figure out what makes programs successful. We've been able to test the model in three randomized control trials and continue to see very strong outcomes. So we want to share what we know with other organizations so that they can take this concept and really be successful, both, again, to the benefit of patients that they serve and also to their institution, as you talked about, in this financially responsible way. Right. And you had mentioned there's about 7,000 people in the greater Philadelphia region that have been part of this program in some way. Did you have those moments of milestone celebrations? We hit 1,000, we hit 2,500, we hit 5,000. Was it that kind of euphoria, if you will, or was it more of, all right, this thing is chugging along right how we need it to, to go? I remember in our first year, we had grown pretty quickly, and I think our goal you know, we wanted to, off the top of my head, I think it was like 1,500 patients was going to be in our first year. And I remember we had a team meeting with all the community health workers and their supervisors and saying, you know, this is how many people we want to work with. And it had started small, you know, probably in the first year, we maybe saw 200 people. Mm-hmm. So to get everyone in a room and be like, we're going to, you know, multiply that by seven, you know, that was a big moment. And we definitely had a party right. <laughs> when we hit that goal. That's great. And were people like, yikes, or were people like, yeah, we can do this? People were really excited. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about the program, and again, this goes back to the hiring, is one of the most common refrains we hear from people that we hire as community health workers is, 
I've been doing this work my whole life, but you know, I just maybe haven't gotten paid for it or hasn't been my profession or my career. And so that's been a great joy to really connect people to work and a career ladder, a career pathway that they find really satisfying and compelling. And so everyone was all in. And in fact, as an organization, you know, we talk regularly about what are different types of individuals that we want to serve. For example, there's a lot of interests from within our own organization about expanding the model into the prisons and really helping people who are coming out of jail. So we have a funding proposal in to do that work. So I think everyone that works in the organization at the Penn Center for Community Health Workers wants it to keep growing and getting bigger because they know the impact that it's had on individuals. And in fact, it has been growing. So share with us a little bit, Joe, about the rollout into other communities and how successful that has been. And frankly, some of the hurdles maybe that you guys have hit as well. As I mentioned before, one of our interests was always really kind of helping other organizations level the playing field and avoid reinventing the wheel. And so we have been, from the beginning, really intentional about creating tools that make it easy for organizations to kind of scale up programs quickly and efficiently and ultimately effectively. So we've worked with organizations all over the country, from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center down to the Department of Health in the state of Louisiana to really share what we've learned and help them kind of either stand up brand new programs or make some tweaks to existing Mm -hmm. programs to make them most effective. So you'll customize based on what their needs are in their particular community. You could either go in and actually start a program from scratch and help them measure and be successful, or you can say, how about this idea and this idea to your existing program? Exactly. One of the key ways that we kind of customize, as you said, is really by interviewing patients like from that local community to understand what are the major challenges there and what does that mean about how this program, which I think has a a good backbone or a good structure, if you will, how might it need to be sort of just modified slightly to address the specific realities of people that are living in this locality? One of the things I wanted to share and talk with you about based on your experiences um, and being native to greater Philadelphia, I know that we are a city and a region of firsts, first medical school, first school of pharmacy, first hospital. And I would suggest that this sounds like it is a first as well. I mean, granted, as you referenced, community health has kind of been around for a long time, but perfecting it and fine-tuning it into a way that really has, no pun intended, impact is significant and is key. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that from your perspective being inside. Yeah, I agree, actually. And sometimes it's hard to sort of see that when you, you know, on the day-to-day or sort of just doing the work. But I do think that was Part of the vision um, was really because it has so much intuitive appeal, the concept, but it hasn't necessarily been kind of implemented effectively. And I think that was really the nut that we wanted to crack. So I think, you know, there's been certain milestones that's been really exciting. I think every time we do a, a study of the program and the results come back great, that, you know, feels fantastic because we know it's continuing to work. And in some ways, the results only look better. You know, the program was expanded to the Veterans Affairs Medical Center here in Philadelphia. So we serve veterans, which is a really important population to be able to connect to someone like a community health worker. The program was adopted by Keystone First, the largest managed care organization in southeastern Pennsylvania, to be able to work with um, its members. We've been working with groups across the country who have been really interested in kind of learning from what we do. And so each of those milestones has been really important and affirming to us um, and also teaches us things about, you know, how does this look different in other places and what does that mean about 
you know, how we can continue to help grow the field. Like, I think, you know, estimates range from between like 50,000 to 120,000 community health workers that already exist in the United States. And every year that number grows by, I think it's something like 14%. Because again, as I mentioned before, there's a lot happening in the policy and financing environment for healthcare that makes organizations of all sizes look to this as a solution. And I do think we have a proven solution that's growing increasingly attractive to other organizations. And we're happy to be able to play that role and help other organizations. So we're talking with Jill Feldstein, who helps to manage and operate the structure and the systems at Penn Center for Community Health Workers Impact Program. And we're going to welcome in a colleague of Jill's in just a moment. But Jill, I want to ask, you grew up in central Pennsylvania in the York area, and I, I know you did some of your uh, education at Princeton and elsewhere in the country as well. So Princeton's part of the greater Philadelphia neighborhood. But is this what brought you to Penn? Is this this program? How did you first hear about this program and, and have that moment of, that's really interesting. I want to be part of that. That's a great question, actually. So I was working in North Philly, actually, for an organization that was focused on affordable housing. So I've always been very invested in helping the lowest income people in our region. You know, Philadelphia is a very large city, but it's also a very poor city. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the median family income for a family of four probably hasn't yet cracked the $40,000 mark. Um, So I've always been really interested in thinking about what are solutions to really help people who, who live in poverty or don't have a lot to be able to improve their lives and be able to have access to the kind of resources that other people have access to just by virtue of where they were born. And so I had read about the work and was really, really drawn to it because I think it was deeply rooted in the experience of people who were going to benefit from the program. You want to design a program with the perspective of people who are going to be part of that program. It's part of what I think has made the program successful is that we started by interviewing patients themselves to design the program. So I was drawn to the fact that it was rooted in the people that it was trying to help, that it had this rigor around the research and evaluation, and that it was part of an institution that had made a commitment to a community like West Philly, but also wanted to see that become a national model. So I think if you care about really trying to improve the lives of low-income people, it doesn't come along that often that there's a scalable, effective model that has a financial return on investment Penn Medicine gets about a $2 return for every dollar they invest in the program. So when you think about trying to really grow an idea and reach a lot of people, it has to have that return on investment. And this program did. And that's a pretty unbeatable combination. It's something that you know really makes a difference to people that also has a return on investment that means you can serve more and more people. Absolutely. And I would build on your experience of helping those who historically have been in underserved or communities that need a little bit of an extra boost in that when someone's health is compromised, it has such a ripple effect across the rest of their lives. So if you can, and their families as well, if you can really help secure that area of health, it can be life altering, not just for the individual, but for their family and for their entire community as well in in a variety of different ways. Absolutely. I would further suggest, Joe, if you allow me, that the secret sauce, it sounds like, in this whole formula are those colleagues who are on the front lines. That they're a very big part of it, yeah. And uh, that's my way of welcoming Clasita Daniels into our conversation because Clasita is one of those colleagues from the Penn Center for Community Health who is on the front lines, who uh, is dealing with individuals every day and helping them improve their health. Welcome, Clasita. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your role and what you do every day on the front lines as part of the IMPACT program. Well, every day 
I support people, support people um, that are like me in, in many ways. I came from a background where I didn't have much. There were some hurdles, a lot of hurdles, and a lot of times I didn't have the help that I needed. I could have used a community health worker, but now I get to help those people that need the help. Sometimes in some of my patients, I see circumstances and situations that I was in myself and to be able to provide them with the support, to be able to provide them with the resources, to be able to make a difference where they can actually see something has changed in my life. It's just it's amazing to be out there every day doing home visits, meeting them at the doctors, going to the skilled nursing facilities where they don't want to be, but you come in and they see your face and then it's like everything changes because here's somebody that cares about me. And I think that's the most important part to really show people that somebody cares and I'm here to support you and Whatever resources I can connect you to, a lot of times it's a lot of thinking out of the box. There's a lot of going above and beyond, but that's what we do. These are our people. And it starts with trust, and it starts with a connection that has to be present in order for everything else to fall into place. Absolutely. There are so many patients that we encounter They don't trust the doctors. They don't trust the nurses. Actually, they don't really like them a lot of times. And even though we work for the hospital system, there's a difference in us because we are there to support the patient. We are there to be a voice sometimes for the patient when they feel like nobody's listening to me. This is my body. They don't know what's going on. I know what's going on with me. And to be able to like bridge that gap between the patients and their the doctors, the whole care team, to be able to be that voice of reasoning sometimes for the patient, it really allows them to trust in us. And they really do. And I think the biggest part of that is really getting to know them. And so that's why we do this meet the patient interview where we go in and we talk to the patient, we introduce ourselves, and then we get to learn a little bit about them. Like, where are you from? Like, where did you grow up? How was your childhood? Like, what kind of things like what were the hurdles or stresses that you've had to overcome in your life? And majority of the time, people really just want somebody to sit there and listen. And so my meet the patient interviews can last for a couple hours because I'm just there to listen to you. That power of listening is really key. We've all experienced it throughout our lives, and it's most notable when you recognize that people aren't listening. And when you recognize that they are listening, it's an engaging moment. It's a, this person cares, I can empathize, I can relate with, I can appreciate the connection and the bond that another person is having with me. And that secret sauce kind of approach that you just described, I think, is really key to the success of this program. Absolutely. It is very key. I actually had a patient today that I met today. We were talking. We were just talking, having conversation. And, you know, in about an hour in, uh, the doctor came in and the nurse, she had had her pills there to take. And the nurse came back in and she said, are you going to take your pills? She said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to take them. I had so much. I'm just having so much fun enjoying this conversation that I'm having with this young lady that it's like, It can change their whole world in a moment. 
to be lying in the hospital, that's not fun for anybody. But when you can kind of step away from all of that and just be able to have a conversation without thinking about what's going on or the ailments in your body or, you know, hashing up your childhood. Sometimes it's enjoyable. Sometimes it's hard. But then those are the moments where, you know, we can be compassionate, you know, offer that support that some people just don't get. The doctors aren't always they have a job to do. Mm -hmm. They're there to be your physician. But a lot of times the patients don't get the compassion that they would want to get. But again, that's not the doctor's job to do that. But then here we are to try to understand. And and you're bringing up a topic for me that I'm curious, the emotional, the spiritual healing that can come from that personal bond that goes beyond the medicinal or the therapeutic or the procedural care that is provided in a clinical situation. But that connection that a person can make with another individual can have a healing effect as well. And I suspect you've experienced some of that. Absolutely. Actually, just today, the same patient, when I was leaving, she said, you know, I really feel connected. And those were her words. She said, I, I can feel people's spirit and I feel your spirit that you really care. And Jill, is that something that the program does study or has thought about studying? Because there could be a connection here that goes beyond just the medicinal or the procedural engagement that a patient has that they maybe normally wouldn't have had with their healthcare provider because of the program. Yeah, it's a great point. We call patients actually as part of our both, I think, to get feedback on the program and also to gather some data that helps us, you know, keep our finger on the pulse of how it's going and reading comments from patients as they talk about their community health worker, people like Clasita is absolutely one of my favorite parts of the job. So we haven't studied it in like a, you know, a particularly like rigorous way, but, you know, we've probably talked to hundreds, if not even a thousand patients kind of about their experience. And one of the things that I think is so powerful about the program is there is this core element of listening that Clasita talked about and that you asked about, but it's also about taking action like for others, you know, so Clasita talked about doing the meet the patient interview at the end of the interview, you come out with, okay, here are the most important things that are going on in your life. And here's how I'm going to help you. You got a plan. Exactly. So it's called impact the individualized management for patient centered targets program. It's at uh, the Pennsylvania Health System, specifically part of Penn Center for Community Health. And we've been speaking with Jill Feldstein, as well as Clasita Daniels. Thank you both for being with us on Growing Greater Philadelphia. One of the things I love about what is happening here is that it's happening here in Greater Philadelphia. What's next for Impact, Jill? Keep doing what we're doing. I mean, we really, as as many people as we can serve, we want to serve. So we want to continue to grow the program in Philadelphia, you know, expand, as I was talking about, to the prisons or to other populations that have a need for this kind of work, continue to help organizations across the country. I think all total, there's been over a thousand organizations that have accessed the resources that we've made available to help organizations. And, you know, we'd love that to be 10,000. I think this concept is really, it's the right idea at the right time. And I, I think we've, you know, as we talked about, help kind of crack the nut about how to help other organizations be able to do this well, ultimately to help their organization and to help the people they serve. From a big picture perspective, you're at a conference and uh, you're with some of your peers and colleagues and you're learning some new things about the industry. What do you share with folks um, about Greater Philadelphia and what's happening here? We were talking about a little bit, you know, before we got on the air and just, I think... 
What I love about Philadelphia is it's a big city and a small town all at once. It's really a city of neighborhoods. And so you, you have access to all the amenities that like any metropolitan city in terms of great food and theater and, you know, world class art museum. And but you also live in a neighborhood with people that you I'm very connected to my neighbors. And, you know, there's not this impersonal it's not an impersonal feeling about living in, in Philadelphia. So I think it's not that common in the United States. I've been fortunate to travel to a lot of places, and I don't think you get that mix of like a world-class city with a small-town feel. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And Clasita Daniels, born and raised in southern New Jersey, spent some time in the first state, Delaware, now here in greater Philadelphia, living and working in West Philadelphia. Yes. What do you share with folks about your role as part of this program and folks who may want to get involved and say, let me tell you about how great my job is? I love my job. I can I can tell. I, I do. I can't say that enough. Um, and I think people don't really understand how much I really love my job because, you know, like Jill said, you live in the na- I live in West Philly and I am connected with my neighbors and just to be able to support people in a way, again, I there's been many times in my life where I needed that support. And so when I see this and I'm able to do things that I know will definitely help people, that will definitely, they remember. I have patients from when I started back three years ago that still contact me just to see now how I'm doing. That means that I've made an impact on them. That means that they really appreciated what I did. And it's like my job, but it's it's like I'm getting paid to do something that I was born to do. What a great feeling. And the fact that there's a role reversal where they're checking in on you, that is impact. That, I love that. That's yeah. a, it's amazing. Yeah, that's I, really great. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Where do you think some of our neighbors here in greater Philadelphia would be if it wasn't for this very unique University of Pennsylvania impact program? They would be continually in and out of the hospital all of the time. And we certainly have people that we have helped stay out of the hospital because that recidivism rate is very high. They come right back. They go right back to the ER. If they don't know what to do, that's what they know to do. They know to call 911 and go to the emergency room. But when you have your community health worker and they feel confident enough to call you when they have an issue, then we can go through, okay, did you call your primary? Let's start there. What's actually going on with you? So we can try to figure out, you know, how can we help this situation without you going to the ER? It may not be that serious, um, but they don't know those things. And I right. think that's a big part of it. Being able to redirect them to other options. We've often heard this, that many folks, to your point, who just haven't had experience navigating the health system, will often use the emergency room as their primary care physician. Very costly, very inefficient. So having you there to help navigate that really helps not only the patient have a better quality of life and a better quality of health care, but also eases the burden and the pressure, as you referenced earlier, Jill, on the overall health system. So that it can operate more efficiently and more effectively, frankly, the way it was intended to operate. Right. An ambulance ride, I believe, is like $500 or something one way. When you're facing that and you don't have insurance to cover it, that's hard. 
especially when you feel as though that's your only option. Right. So for us to be able to help give them the resources to get them transportation to and from their doctors, a lot of people, they don't go to doctors. They don't have no way there because they don't know the resources that are available to get them there. Right. So to be able to connect them, to keep them connected, Mm -hmm. these are key things to help. All of the people in all West and Southwest Philadelphia that we serve now to help them to try to manage their health care so that they don't have those issues when, OK, there was something wrong. I needed to go to the hospital. And then now that I'm out, I'm faced with this bill. Right. How do I navigate? So taking control of their life and taking control of their health care with you by their side makes it a lot easier. It makes it yeah. so much easier. Absolutely. I think one of the things that's interesting about the program is that in some ways it was really testing this concept about if we could figure out what patients want and do what they want, does it have the kinds of outcomes that are better for patients and better for health systems? I think there's a lot about a lot of times, you know, people talk about their experience with healthcare being someone telling them what they should do. And so this flips that script a little bit and says, what do you want to work on and how can we help you? Mm -hmm. And I think there are all kinds of reasons why people, you know, use the hospital. Some of those are really appropriate things. We would never want to be in a position where, you know, we were saying like, don't go to the hospital, right? Because there's a lot of times that people really do need to access that care. But it's about kind of figuring out what's going on underneath that. It could Mm -hmm. be, as Clasita is talking about, that people don't have um, the right, you know, access to transportation to to get to their doctor's office. It could also be that, you know, they're struggling with feelings about they're struggling with suicidal feelings because they experienced a loss in their life that their child died by gunfire right. in their neighborhood and they've really lost their will to live. And that's bringing them into the hospital. And we want to connect them with a community health worker who can help them process those feelings and connect them to the right kind of care and really help them rebuild their life. So for every person, there's a very unique and particular story about what's getting in the way of them being able to focus on their health. And our job or the job of community health workers is to get to that, the heart of that story and solve those problems. And you're doing it. Absolutely. That's great. And to build off of that, like Jill said, it's very important that it's patient-centered because you have some patients, they don't want to go to the doctors. But what do you need? I had a patient yesterday. We were supposed to go to the Social Security office. So I asked her, you know, when you think we're going to go to this? She said, you know what I need? I really need a dentist. She said, my teeth are bothering me. I really need to go to the dentist. Okay, let's get you a dentist. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We got her a dentist, called. I gave her some options. She said, that one sounds good. Hooked her up with the Penn Dental Medical Center and got her an appointment. And that's what she needed. So it's one thing to say, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. But it's another thing to say, okay, what do you want to do? Right. What do you want to do? It empowers them. When you focus on what they want to do, then they're more open to do what they need to do. So we've been talking with Jill and Clasita about the University of Pennsylvania's Impact Community Health Workers Program. It's a concept that's been around now for about seven or eight years here in greater Philadelphia. And there's certainly more bright things to come. Thank you both for joining us right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPH. 
Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. 